0: It loves a good plot twist. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. The Peter Schiff show. Well, today the possibility of a Fed rate hike in December Rose about 10 points. We're now at about an 80% probability, at least the way the markets assess the odds, that the Fed will raise rates in December after failing to raise rates today. And if you remember, after they didn't raise rates last time, there was some probability of a November rate hike. But by this morning, the probability of November had pretty much been reduced to about zero with everybody believing that the Fed would hike in December, and now as a result of their failure to hike in November, the probability apparently is now higher based on the language of their non-hike. This despite the fact that there were only two dissenters. When the Fed didn't raise interest rates last time they met, there were actually three guys who voted for a hike, and there were six that voted not to hike. This time, it was 7-2 to in favor of not hiking. So what happened between meetings that caused the one guy who wanted to hike rates last time to decide he doesn't want to hike them now? I mean, is it possible that some data came out over the course of those weeks that caused him to reassess his feeling about the strength of the economy? And if so, why is that guy going to flip back to hike In December, after just flipping to no hike. Now, is it pure politics? I mean, they'll never admit that. Was it like, well, a hike in September was far enough away from the election, but I won't do it uh, in November? I mean, I don't know. I mean, if you don't want to raise rates based on proximity to the election, I mean, you could have made that argument all year long, right? I mean, hey, we can't raise rates in an election year. Uh, So I think that argument could have held true at any point during the year. Because remember, the economy. And the stock market has been a big part of the Hillary Clinton campaign, and so the Fed wouldn't have wanted to have taken any action at any point during this year that might have hurt her. Remember, it was important in the primary. One of the reasons that Hillary Clinton was able to, to beat Bernie Sanders was the idea that the economy was in good shape thanks to Obama, and she wants to continue that. And so had the Fed raised interest rates during the primaries, it might have made it harder for Hillary Clinton to fend off that outsider challenge. Clearly, the Federal Reserve prefers Hillary Clinton to Bernie Sanders. So you could have been making these political arguments all year long. But the fact of the matter is we had 3 dissenters last time and now only 2, yet for some reason the probability of a hike has now gone up rather than down. But here is the language. This is what they 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 wrote. The committee judges that the case for an increase in the federal funds rate has continued to strengthen, but decided for the time being to wait for some further evidence of continued progress towards its objectives. That's it. Now, based on this, everybody is jumping to the conclusion, oh, they're going to move in December. Why? I mean, what did they say? They said that they want to see more evidence. They said that the, the case for a rate hike has continued to strengthen. Yes, they've been saying that all year long. It's been continuing to strengthen all year, but apparently not quite strong enough to merit a hike. So is the economy really going to keep strengthening between now and December? I mean, I already think it's faltering. I mean, you can certainly argue that a lot of the economic data, I'll get to some more of it that already came out this week, but the data is already weakening. And so to the extent that they were looking for stronger data, they didn't get it. And they said, so for the time being, they're going to wait. Well, how long is the time being? I mean, apparently that means one more meeting. But how do you get that from the words for the time being? Now, this is a funny part. They wrote that they're going to wait for some further evidence. Apparently, in the last statement when they didn't hike rates, they said they needed further evidence. And so now they need some further evidence. And people are saying that that means they don't need as much. Now, I don't know. I mean, does the word some before further mean that you don't need as much evidence as you used to need because you used to need further evidence, but now you only need some further evidence? But even if some further evidence is less than further evidence, since we had no idea how much evidence was involved in further, we don't know what some further is because we have no idea how big a number further meant. So if it's smaller than what they used to need, but we don't even know how much they used to need then how do we know that they need such a small amount that they're ready to go in December? I mean, I don't know. Maybe in December they'll change from some some further evidence to a little more evidence. I mean, so how much is that? Or a bit more? How much is a bit? Who knows? They've never defined what they needed in the first place. Again, they tweak the language every once in a while to create the illusion that they're progressing towards a goal that they may never hit. It's like a never-ending mark that they'll continue to move further and further away just to make sure they don't get there. Now, I do acknowledge that once the election is over with, they certainly have a a bigger cushion to raise rates and not have to worry about the immediate political impact because it's going to be many, many years before there's another election. So they might be able to get it out of the way and even if the market tanks— You know, it's not going to have any immediate political ramifications because, you know, they're not going to do a recount. And they did raise interest rates in December of last year. So that did create a precedent of raising rates. But this is the highest the probability has been. I mean, 80%, it hasn't been this high this year. And the probability that the Fed doesn't raise rates has never been this low. But, you know, a lot can happen between now and December. That might change the Fed's mind. One is an election, which is less than a week away now. And by the way, I saw a poll yesterday, an ABC poll. Donald Trump was ahead by a point. This is a poll where he was trailing by 12 points a week earlier. And this poll was taken before, I believe, the FBI announced that they're reopening uh, the email investigation and all uh, of of the Anthony Weiner stuff came. So who knows where the the poll might be in another day or two when all of this is fully incorporated into the the thinking of the voters. Now I recognize that you know we don't elect presidents based on popular vote. So the electoral map still heavily favors Clinton based on the polls as they exist now. So I think the markets are still assuming that Clinton is going to win, but the probability of a Trump victory is significantly higher than it was a week ago. But probably more importantly for Trump is he's got this momentum now uh, going. And if the momentum continues in this direction between now and the election, it could carry him over the top in some of these key states and might, you know, tilt the electoral map in his favor. You know, one thing that is worrying the Clinton camp is some of the numbers on the early voting in African-Americans, which is way down over the prior couple of years. And the thought is that uh, African-American voting may revert back to normal levels, levels uh, pre-Barack Obama, because it was record high. In fact, the highest ever for uh, African-American participation was in the uh, the 2012 election when Obama was up for reelecting against Mitt Romney. That was record high uh, African-American participation. And of course, overwhelmingly, 90 plus percent of the African-American vote went to President Obama. And so if there is that big a drop in African-American participation in this election, that is a big deal. And I've been saying all along that. There isn't a lot of enthusiasm in that community for Hillary Clinton. I mean, there was for Barack Obama because there were a lot of people that believed that just having a black president would automatically be good for blacks, that somehow he was going to be more in touch with their needs. And even though, you know, President Clinton used to pretend he was the first black president and he felt their pain, uh, you know, he really wasn't black, but Barack Obama was. And and so a lot of people thought, well, this is going to be great you know, because he's Black and I'm Black, and so he's going to pursue policies that benefit Blacks. Well, he didn't. In fact, he pursued policies that made their lives worse. Uh, any way you want to look at the data, uh, the African-American community is in worse shape today than it was four years ago, than it was eight years ago. And so uh, they feel let down, and there's no reason to just be enthusiastic about voting for Hillary, because, again, she's not Black, and if a Black man couldn't help the black community, why should a white woman help them? I mean, it's not going to be about her femininity. It's not going to be like, oh, if we just had a woman, the woman is going to fix it for us because we've had all these men. Nah, I don't think it's going gonna, it's gonna to work that way. I mentioned that before. So we're seeing this drop in enthusiasm. And by the way, you know, if 90% of the white vote uh, went to Mitt Romney in 2012— You can imagine all the cries of racism and, oh, the only reason that he won was because all these white racists were voting in such heavy numbers uh, for Mitt Romney. right? But you can get 90 percent of the black voters can vote for the black candidate and nobody ever mentions that there's any racism going on. It's a total double standard. uh, But you have lots of black voters voting for Obama because he's black. I mean, that could be the main reason they might not say that to a pollster. But, you know, there are a lot of people voting for Hillary because she's a woman. I mean, in fact, she's out there saying, hey, let's we need to have the first woman president. So vote for me because I'm going to be the first woman president. Look, if I were a woman and I were running for president, I would not want anybody to vote for me because I was a woman. I wouldn't even bring that issue up. The point is, let's elect the most competent person or the person who you think is the best and Gender has nothing to do with it. And then if you happen to win an election where gender is not an issue because you don't make it an issue, and then, oh, we have the first woman president, well, then the victory means something. But if you're saying, hey, I'm a woman, I'm running for office, so vote for me so we can have the first woman president, you're actually uh, advocating a vote based on sexism. You're telling people, vote for me. Even if you don't think I'm the best choice, vote for me because I'm a woman. Well, how can you say that? It's being a hypocrite if you're accusing men or, or people of uh, you know discriminating against women, but now you're advocating the discrimination against men. You're saying, hey, don't vote for Donald Trump even if you think he's better because he's a man. Vote for Hillary Clinton because she's a woman. But somehow, voting for a woman because she's a woman is not sexism. But if you vote for a man because he's a man, well, well, then you're a sexist. I mean, I'm very happy to see the first woman president. But we don't have to stoop so low. We don't have to scrape the bottom of the barrel and and make it Hillary Clinton. We're not so desperate for a woman president that we're going to take Hillary Clinton. Let's have a good woman president. Let's make sure that the first time we have a woman president, we have a good one. That way we have a good role model for other women to aspire to. I mean, why should we put Hillary Clinton there and say, oh, she's the first woman? Because as a woman, I would be offended. Right by that. And it's like, well, gee, I mean, why should we ha- make the first woman president so bad and so corrupt? What if she actually becomes president and then she gets indicted and then she gets impeached and she has to go to jail? Is that the legacy that you want for the first female president to also be the first president to actually be impeached, to be tried and convicted and then put in jail? Is that the legacy that we want for the first woman president? Hey, let's pass on this woman and let's wait for a more worthy uh, woman. Uh, to seek this office. But getting back to the the rate hikes, so there's nothing in this particular paragraph to me that jumps out and says, we're going to raise rates in December. Because A, we don't know how the election is going to affect the markets. Because if Donald Trump does end up pulling off this upset, the markets are going to tank, I believe. I think the stock market's going to get clobbered, just like, you know, with Brexit, right? The stock market got clobbered. I think the dollar is going to get clobbered, too, because the belief is going to be the Fed is going to be easing, just like the, the Bank of England eased. The U.S. dollar was weaker Yet again today, although it gained back some of its losses following the Fed statement, which supposedly raised the probability of a December rate hike. But it wasn't enough to take the dollar back into positive territory. In fact, the dollar index closed down about 0.33 at 97.36. The dollar index was above 99 last week. And you know, the fact that the dollar is selling off and gold is rising even as the expectations of a December rate hike are increasing this supports my thesis that at this point it doesn't matter right even if the fed does deliver a rate hike in december it's too little too late for it to be negative for gold or positive for the dollar because whatever the fed does It is going to be less than what the markets had already anticipated and baked into prices, both the exchange rate of the dollar and the price of gold. And I think the markets are looking beyond a rate hike to what happens next, because even if we get this December rate hike, which is still a big if, but even if we get it, I think the likelihood of the Fed taking it back and cutting rates is greater than the likelihood of them raising rates again. Now, I know I said that initially when they first raised rates a year ago, December, I said they'll, it's more likely that they'll cut them rather than raise them again. And that still may be the case because this December hike is not, um, is not a sure thing. And if they don't hike in December, I'd be willing to say this, if they don't hike in December, they're not hiking. They're not going to hike at all next year. Because if they're not hiking in December, the election is over, you know they're afraid of hiking. And especially if the probabilities stay this high and then the Fed doesn't hike, that'll be it. So if we make it past December, then I will have been correct in that the last hike would have been the only hike and that the next move will be an ease. But if somehow they end up with another December rate hike and they go back on the path of raising rates once a year, I really doubt we'll make it all the way To December of 2017, without the economy officially relapsing into recession or without the stock market slipping into a bear market. And therefore, the Fed will be forced uh, to reverse course, at least based on its own thinking, and cut rates and launch QE4, regardless of whether or not it hikes rates in December. And so the dollar really has no place to go but down, and gold no place to go but up. And, you know, by the way, gold was above. 1300 for much of the day. In fact, it was above 1300 when the Fed came out with its statement at two o'clock. And then gold lost about half its gains. It closed up about 870 at 1296.50, but still positive. And, you know, gold was around 1250 about a week ago. And I think the main uh, difference between now and a week earlier is the increased probability of a Trump victory, even though it's not. A probability, it's a possibility rather, but the possibility is now higher and the price of gold is going up. But if he actually wins, I think the price of gold is going to go a lot higher. Remember how much the price of gold went up in pound sterling because of the surprise Brexit vote? So I think something big like that could happen. And I do think if we get a Trump victory and the market tanks as a result, not that I think that Trump is bad for the long term stock market. I think he's bad for the bubble. Uh, And and it's bad for perceptions. And so, if the market tanks following a Trump victory, even if the Fed was going to raise rates in December, there's not a chance that they're actually going to do it. But also, even if the markets get what they want, which is Hillary Clinton, they may realize, oh my God, we got Hillary Clinton. Because you know, be careful what you wish for, because you might just might get it. So, not only might it be a buy the rumor, sell the fact, but the market might really tank as people realize that Hillary Clinton is not good for the U.S. economy. And who knows? I mean, if Hillary has coattails and if the Democrats take uh, the Senate, or even worse, take the House, uh, who knows what kind of crazy programs Hillary Clinton could get, uh, you know, enacted if she had a Congress of her own party. So the market could tank either way, and so that would would take a rate hike off the table if a rate hike is even on the table. Of course, you know, we get a jobs number on Friday in two more days, and that jobs number can be bad. And then we get another jobs number after this one that, you know, could also be bad. I mean, look at the ADP number that came out today. It was below estimates. Now, of course, it's hard to say because apparently the ADP tweaked their methodology And so instead of 170,000 jobs, which had been the consensus, we got 147,000 jobs, but they upwardly revised the prior month from 154 to 202 based on these new numbers, although they went back and they revised a lot of prior months. And so the net result was, I think, a small subtraction uh, from the original reports, despite last month's big upper revision. But certainly this month was much lower than what people were forecasting particularly if you look at the big losses in goods-producing sectors, manufacturing, construction. These are the higher-paying jobs. Uh, those are the ones we lost. Uh, the ones we added were more of the lower-paying and part-time variety. But you know, we get more jobs data, which could, uh, you know, instead of strengthening the case for a rate hike, it could undermine the case for a rate hike, at least the way uh, the Fed is looking at it. But look, we also got some other weak numbers that came out. This week alone, a couple of the standouts was the Chicago PMI for October, which is the first month of this last quarter, and that came out at 50.6. They were originally looking for 54.3, which would have been a slight improvement over the 54.2 from the prior month. Instead, it went the other way in a big way. And another very big surprising reversal of direction was construction spending for September, which, by the way, this will shave a little bit off that higher-than-expected GDP number that we got for the third quarter, which, as I went over in my last podcast, was heavily influenced by a one-time spike-up in soybean exports and by an inventory build. But they were looking for construction spending to rise by 0.6. Instead, it fell by 0.4. And so the numbers that came out Monday and Tuesday caused the Atlanta Fed, which its initial estimate that we had on Friday for the fourth quarter GDP, was 2.7. They already reduced it to 2.3 yesterday based on the week data from Monday and and Tuesday. And remember, they started their Q2 estimate at 3.8. And even though they had gone down to 2.1 by the day before, we ended up with 2.8, but it was still much lower than their original estimate. And I do believe that despite the one-off events, we'll still probably revise that down after the election is over. Surprise, surprise. But they're starting their Q4 estimates With the bar much lower, they started at 2.7. They're already down to 2.3. So I'm pretty sure that they'll be well below 1 by the time we actually get this number sometime in January. Of course, by then, a new president will have already uh, been sworn in. Meanwhile, the stock market continued to weaken, the Dow closing below the 18,000 level. We closed at 17,959. And technically, we look like we're really starting to break down And this, again, could be the stock market beginning to price in not just the fact that they believe the Fed is going to hike rates in December, but that there is a greater likelihood that Donald Trump will become President, and the stock market is very worried about that. The NASDAQ was down almost fifty points today, forty eight points. This is the weakest the NASDAQ has been, really since July. We're ge- really getting some uh, strong signs of some of these stocks really starting to break down. And you know, if the carnage in the stock market accelerates into the election on Tuesday, that also won't bode well. For Hillary Clinton, because the perception will be, oh, you know, the market's coming down, uh, so it was a bubble, and now it's falling, and people get nervous. What Hillary Clinton wants is everything to look as good as possible. She wants the best picture possible for voters to have in their mind when they step into that booth. And if the stock market is tanking, especially when the belief is that Hillary Clinton's going to win, voters could think, oh, look, the stock, the stock market is going down because people believe it's going to be Hillary Clinton, and that might cause some people to vote, vote Donald Trump. And, you know, when I talk about the stock market reacting badly to a Trump victory, it's not because I think that Trump is bad for business and Hillary is good for business or that Trump is bad for the economy. The stock market has nothing to do with the business environment, or the economy. In fact, companies could do much better as far as what they're able to earn under a Trump presidency than they will earn under a Clinton presidency. But the stock market is not about the economy, and it's not even about earnings. It's about the Fed. It's about cheap money. It's about continuation of the status quo. And if you want the status quo to continue, if you want the cozy relationship between Wall Street and government and the Fed to continue, well, then you want Hillary Clinton because she represents a continuation of what we saw under Bush and under Obama and now under under Clinton and under and under her husband before that, right? It's just been one continuous party that has benefited, you know, Wall Street to the detriment of the economy and the the underlying fundamentals of a lot of these businesses whose stocks are so overpriced. Thanks to this policy. And Donald Trump throws a monkey wrench into this whole thing because nobody actually knows what a Trump presidency will be like. And I don't even think Trump, the candidate, even gives you that much insight into Trump, the president, because I don't know how much of what Trump is saying are talking points that he thinks will resonate with voters and not turn voters off versus what he would actually do in the best interest of the country were he put in that position, assuming he actually knows what is in the best interest of the country, or maybe he will surround himself with people who will. But he clearly, in my mind, understands that things are bad. Right When you're talking about making America great again, you acknowledge that it's no longer great, that we've lost something that we once had. Whereas other people want to bury their heads in the sand, like Hillary Clinton, and claim there's no problem. that claim that everything is fine, right? that we just need a few more regulations and a few more government programs, and America will be better than ever. At least Donald Trump recognizes that's that that's not the truth. But in order to solve these problems, you know, there's going to be a lot of short-term problems in the market. And, hey, the market doesn't want short-term problems. The market just wants another fix. Of the drugs, and the best way to get more cheap money is to continue the status quo.
1: Today's financial advisors behave like pro wrestling TV commentators. They scream that the recovery is strong, debt is manageable, inflation is low, and that the Federal Reserve has everything under control. If you live in the United States and have $25,000 or more to invest, call 800 727 7922. That's 800 727 7922. Non U.S. residents access similar strategies through Euro Pacific Bank at EuropacBank.com. Euro Pacific Capital and Euro Pacific Bank are affiliated companies.
0: Hello, this is Peter Schiff. I bet you didn't know that without silver, you wouldn't be hearing this podcast right now or be able to use a computer at all. From laptops to smartphones to TVs to speakers, virtually all modern electronics use silver to conduct electricity. Did you know that the average solar panel uses two-thirds of an ounce of silver to function? And the solar industry is expanding dramatically, not just in America, but in booming developing nations like China and India. Silver is naturally antibacterial and is used extensively in modern medicine. Silver coatings are being added to breathing tubes, bandages, catheters, and other medical instruments to reduce the spread of infections. When antibiotics fail, silver still works. I believe the 21st century will be the century of silver. As fiat currencies continue to collapse and new uses are found for silver every day, the white metal's strong industrial demand and low per ounce price will make it increasingly attractive to savers around the world. At today's prices, people of any age and background can afford to buy some silver. Learn why silver is a smart and reliable investment in my free special report, The Powerful Case for Silver. Visit shiftsilver.com and download it now. The Powerful Case for Silver includes information about silver's amazing chemical properties. It also explains why I believe silver may outperform gold in the coming years. Download The Powerful Case for Silver and educate yourself, your friends, and your family about the white metal. Just visit shiftsilver.com to download my free report. That's shift